Turn your Bibles, if you would, to 1 John chapter 1 is where we're going to start, and we're going to end up in the book of Joshua. So if you want to kind of put a finger in the Old Testament, Joshua chapter 7. But as you're turning there, why can't farmers keep secrets? Because the corn has ears and the potatoes have eyes. They hear and see everything. You know, last week I came home to find every card in my deck glued together. I'm really having a hard time dealing with it. Just having a hard time dealing with it. Okay. You got one? Go ahead. I don't know. A hearty dinner. That's good. That's good. Valentine's one. Nice. Anyhow, this morning we're going to talk about a man in the Bible who's unfortunately going to be etched in eternity for a sin that he committed. We're going to talk about Achan's sin, the accursed things. In today's culture, tolerance is like the new buzzword, but it's also a word that has been really taken out of context, especially when it's being applied to Christians. You know, Christians and tolerance, they kind of go hand in hand, but it's really taken out of context for Christians. The world has declared that Christians must be tolerant of all people, all beliefs, and all behavior. Now, they're only correct on one out of those three, amen? Yes, we absolutely should be tolerant of all people, without a doubt. However, we are not to be tolerant of all beliefs, and all behaviors. Don't let anybody back you into a corner with that idea. Amen? If a belief or a behavior is contrary to the word of God, we are to declare it so. Amen? Plain and simple. We're not to be tolerant of sin. We are absolutely to love the sinner, be tolerant of the person, but not the sin. Amen? Plain and simple. Let's start off in 1 John chapter 1. Skip down to verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him, from Christ, and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So I want you to note in three verses, verses 6, 8, and 10, They all start with the same phrase, if we say, if we say, these are all things that we have said at one time or another, whether verbally or in our heart, and God is showing us how we have all been guilty at one time or another of denying the truth that he has revealed. All three of these verses, they're very strong charges, and they all have personal nature tool. Amen? They're all personal in nature. Now, these are generally things that we may not share, we may not talk about with others, 
things that we often keep to ourselves. That's why I say when, you know, if we say, it may be something we say internally and not verbally. In a nutshell, it's really how we rationalize, kind of how we justify our sinful behavior. Amen? When we're walking in darkness, what does that mean? That means that we're, you know, partaking in the sinful things of this world. When we're walking in darkness, we then try to rationalize that behavior, and we kind of tell ourselves, no, you know, we're still walking in the light. We're okay. As verse 6 clearly tells us, what is it? It's just a flat lie, right? Plain and simple. It's harsh but true. And if we say that we don't sin at all, we know it's not the truth. We're deceiving ourselves. But more than that, look at verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, then we make him a liar. And that's even worse. Amen? We make God a liar, and that is by far worse of all. So we also need to understand that our sins often affect, they often impact those around us as well. Amen? And this is the area that I want us to really concentrate on today. Turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter 7. And before we read, I'm going to kind of set the scene a little bit. Israel had just experienced their greatest victory since crossing over the Red Sea. And Joshua chapter 6 details that victory in Jericho as those great walls of Jericho came tumbling down. Now, Jericho was the key city in their conquest to settle into Canaan, and they had just conquered it. You know, the Israelites were full of joy, and, and they're singing and rejoicing. And then comes chapter 7. Look at verse 1. But. You know, that, three letter, that simple three-letter word, transition word, that usually brings about a huge change. But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah. Now, there is no mistake in which Achan this one is, amen? God goes to three generations just so we know exactly which Achan. Achan took of the accursed things, so the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. So this one verse, verse 1 of chapter 7, really sets the stage for an ominous chapter in Israel's history. Now this one verse gives us the entire story in a nutshell, and the next 25 verses kind of gives us all the details. And you know, this is not a long story in the Bible, but it's one that I hope will stay with you for a long time. Amen? It's a message, as with every account that we see in the gospel, in the Bible, it's a message that can be applied today, to our lives today. A message that illustrates how our sins can negatively affect those around us whether in this church or whether in your home. Amen? We need to understand that our sins 
can have such a huge impact on those around us, in our church and in our own home. Now, as we read the next few verses, I want us to keep in mind that these events take place right after that great victory in Jericho, right? We've all heard the Bible stories of the Jericho walls came tumbling down. It's that great victory. And this will help us understand how shocking this sudden defeat truly was to the nation of Israel. Now, let's pick up in verse 2. Now, Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth-Avon, on the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not let all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Do not weary all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. So about three thousand men went up there from the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 men, for they chased them from before the gate as far as Shebarim, and struck them down on the descent. Therefore the hearts of the people melted and became like water. They just defeated the biggest city that they would come across, Jericho, on the way to Canaan land. And now they, they get defeated by this tiny nation of Ai. Now, this defeat just defied all logic. And there's a good lesson here. There's a good learning here. When such an illogical thing happens in our lives, now I'm I'm talking about spiritually, we need to pay attention. There's always a reason. There's always a purpose when that happens. Look at verse 6. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. He and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. Now Joshua seeks the, uh, the, 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 the Lord's face in prayer. Look at verse 7. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? Now, notice how Joshua worried about his own name, or or he didn't worry about his own name, but was concerned with God's name. He's saying, Lord, the word is out that Israel is invading. Israel is invading nations on the way to Canaan. Now wait until they hear that the lowly Amorites of Ai ran us out of town. That's what Joshua is saying before the Lord. Now let's look at verse 9. For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off our name from the earth, then what will you do for your great name? What shall I say? I kind of love that reasoning that, that Joshua went to the Lord in prayer about. Joshua is saying, Lord, I'm not worried about what I'm going to say regarding my battle. This is not my battle. 
It's your battle, Lord. We are fighting in your name. Amen? They were fighting in the name of the Lord. Israel's top man, their spiritual leader, he wasn't just their military leader. Joshua is their spiritual leader. Their top man is pouring out his heart to God about this, this, this mysterious and illogical defeat at the hands of the Amorites in Ai. It was illogical. It was unexplainable. And there's a lesson here for all church leaders and all men in their home. When we in leadership experience a time of mysterious and unexplained defeat, we need to stop right on the spot, go to the Lord in prayer, and wait on him to let us know why. Amen? Let us know why. Many times, we're going to find out that it's due to sin in the camp. Amen? Remember from last week, the message of the camp represents God's people. You know, the camp today is this church. Amen? Sin in the camp. Now, let's, uh, let's go to verse 10. So the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things, and have both stolen and deceived. And they have also put it among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed from among you. Get up, sanctify the people, and say, Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, because thus says the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. Now, to fully understand God's anger, his disappointment, we kind of need to go back to chapter 6 just for a quick second. Chapter 6, verse 17, 18, and 19. Now, the city is talking about going into, uh, uh, into um, um, just lost, <laughs> Jericho, going into Jericho, verse, uh, chapter 6. He said, now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction, it and all who are in it. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all who are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And you, by all means, abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things, and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. God was very clear, wasn't he? Verse 19, But all the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So God makes it very clear that everything living 
was to be destroyed except for Rahab and her family that lived with her. Everything else of value was to be placed into the treasury of the Lord. Amen. Remember the the camp of Israel as they traveled throughout the desert. You know, they had uh, the, the temple that was set up, the temporary temple. And in that was the Ark of the Covenant, and that's where the treasury of the Lord was. And all anything of value was to be taken into the treasury of the Lord to be used by God to spread the gospel, amen, for his nation. No one was to take of any spoils of victory. God made that very clear. Those spoils were consecrated. They were set apart for the Lord's work. You know, it's much like our tithes and offerings in our church today. Amen? The trustees and the deacons cannot go in and take whatever they want from those tithes and offerings, could they? Amen? Why? Because they're set aside. They're consecrated for the Lord's use. This was the accursed thing. Amen? The word accursed comes from the Hebrew word hirem, and it means something devoted to God and therefore was not to be used by man. Amen? That's what accursed means. And as we stated earlier, most of our sins are private. Amen? Most of our sins are private, and we handle them between us and God. We go to God in prayer, we confess our sins, and ask for forgiveness. That's how the majority of our sins are handled. And those mostly have no consequences to anyone else around us. That's the majority. However, some of our sins are public. Those are the ones that affect those around us. For Achan, his sin was very public. And Joshua is commanded by God to rise up, handle it, and get it out of the camp. Amen? Verse 14. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought according to your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes shall come according to families, and the family which the Lord takes shall come by households, and the household which the Lord takes shall come man by man. Now, God gives Joshua very detailed instructions on how Joshua is to weed out this you know, this, this accursed thing in the camp. And he's to do it by layers. Amen? He's to start with the tribe, dwindle that down to the family, then down to the individual household, and then come man by man, individually. And God made it clear that he would assist Joshua in finding the accursed thing. Achan had to be trembling in his mandals. Amen? Nobody knows what mandals are? They're man sandals, mandals. Amen? Verse 15. Then it shall be that he who is taken with the accursed thing shall be burned with fire, he and all that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. So Joshua rose up early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes, and the tribe of Judah 
was taken. Now, as a leader, if anyone has ever been in leadership, this is the kind of day that you absolutely dread. It's a day of confrontation, and it's not enjoyable. Amen? If you're a leader and you enjoy confrontation, then you shouldn't be in leadership. Amen? Peace should be the desired outcome all the time. But this was a day that absolutely Joshua would dread. Galatians 6.1 says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, now, overtaken in any trespass, trespass means caught red-handed. If a man is caught red-handed in a trespass, you who are spiritual, that means the mature Christian, you who are spiritual, you who are spiritually mature, are to restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering your own self, lest you also be tempted." There was no doubt that Joshua was not looking forward to this day. Let's go back to verse 17. Joshua brought the clan of Judah, and he took the family of the Zarhites, and he brought the family of the Zarhites man by man, and Zabdi was taken. Then he brought his household, man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. Now Joshua said to Achan, My son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession to him, and tell him now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Now, this is an absolute epic moment. Achan is confronted and asked, look, just tell the truth. Now, oftentimes, it takes a long time for someone to come out with the truth. But for others, only seconds. Amen? Only seconds. Kind of much like David when he was confronted by Nathan about his sin with Bathsheba. Nathan or, or, or David immediately cried out, I have sinned against the Lord. Now, many will continue to lie and deny and fight and resent for months and even years on end. But this was the moment of truth for Achan. Let's go to verse 20. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. When I saw, I want you to pay attention to how he describes his sin and how it happened. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, first I saw... He said, then I coveted them, and then I took them. And there they are hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. I saw, I coveted, 
I took, I hid. That is the simple formula for sin. I saw, I coveted, I took, I hid. It was exactly the same for Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and it's exactly the same for us today. I saw, I coveted, I took, I hid. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. For all have sinned. Uh, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. I saw, I coveted, I took, I hid. Numbers chapter 32, verse 23. Then take note, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Now here's a truth. Those verses I just read, very well-known verses, we've, we've heard them over and over. But we don't think about those verses when we're enticed to sin, do we? Amen? Achan certainly did not either. Instead, he rationalized as to why he should take the accursed things. Exactly what we read in 1 John chapter 1, the first piece of scripture that I read. If we say, if we say, if we say. He rationalized and justified why he should have taken them. We see, we covet, we take, we hide. Once Satan is able to catch our eye, and we stand and stare, instead of walking away, he has us. Amen? He has us. Plain and simple. Let's go back to verse 22. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent. And there it was, hidden in his tent with the silver under it. And they took them from the midst of the tent, brought them to Joshua and to all the children of Israel, and laid them out before the Lord. Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had, and they brought them to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones, and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. Then they raised over him a great heap of stones, still there to this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore the name of that place has been called the Valley of Achor to this day. Now interestingly enough, the word Achan and Achor come from the same Hebrew word, and they both mean trouble. That's why Joshua said, why do you trouble us this day? Now the Lord will trouble you. It was a play on words. 
That's what his very name means, and that was the valley that they took them to, the valley of trouble, the valley of Achor. What an absolutely incredible tragedy, amen. As we live in the age of grace, and we're not subject to the law, too many believe that this allows them to do whatever they want. Too many believe that that gives them a license to sin because we're covered by grace. And they're certainly not going to stone us to death for it. No. But your sins may have even far more devastating effect to those around you, those close to you. Amen. We're not in, we're not under the law, and you're right, we're not going to stone somebody to death. But the consequences of our sins may have a far more devastating effect on those around us. Your sins can destroy your church. Your sins can destroy your family and your home. I want to close with just a few thoughts. Number one, the presence of hidden sin is the absence of peace in your heart and in your life. Amen? The presence of hidden sin is the absence of peace. We cannot live absolutely a life completely free of sin, right? We're still wrapped in this flesh. We still mess up. We still trip. We still stumble and fall. We can't live a life completely free of sin, but we can live a clean life. Amen? We can live a clean life. And peace comes when we confess our sin and we repent, which means we turn from it. Amen? Second thought, when wrong is uncovered, God honors swift and thorough actions to remove it. I want to share that there has never been a time when I waited to act and take action against a wrong, and I was glad I waited. Never. Amen? It's always been the complete opposite. When we see something wrong, we need to address it. Amen? When we look in the spiritual mirror and we, we see sin, then we need to handle it immediately. The men in the home, as spiritual leaders, you need to handle it in your home immediately. Myself, the, the trustees, the deacons, the, men, the leadership in this church, if we see something, we have to handle it immediately. And I can tell you over the years, I've had to make decisions that some people might have scratched their head about. But you have to understand there was something that was seen that needed to be done. Amen? Aiken's story is completely tragic. But it illustrates just how important it is to uncover hidden sin and remove it as quickly as possible. This is true for our church, it's true for our home, and it's true for us individually and personally. If we see sin, acknowledge it, confess it, and repent of it. Amen? For Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and restore us back into fellowship with God. Amen?